Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to episode two of the Pokey Talk podcast. This is Nate. I'm here along with Philip once again. How you doing, Philip? I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, getting into episode two. Um, so this is kind of like our first official like content episode. You know, episode one, we kind of just introduced ourselves, let you guys know our background, and now hopefully this is going to be the structure going forward, talking about content, and yeah, it should be lots of fun. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people get uh, tired of folks here. Yeah. <laughs> talking about themselves and only themselves, you know. Yeah, for it sure. Can only be, it can only be so entertaining, so... And everybody's, everybody's story is kind of the same, you know, kind of growing yeah. up. It just depends on when you got back into the hobby and stuff like that. So. It's always interesting hearing about others' backstories and their origins. I, I do enjoy hearing that, but, you know, yeah. once you hear it once, you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know that person. And then, yeah, like with social media, you feel like you know these people so well because you're seeing them post about their lives every day, you mm-hmm. know, which leads to a bunch of other problems, but. Yes it, yeah. yes, it, yes, it does. <laughs> We're here to talk about Pokemon content, though. So yeah, okay. we got lots of news um, since our last recording. We got Gen 9 announced, which is probably our biggest thing. And then uh, we have Astral Radiance, which is an English set coming up with some new cards, new style of cards, which is pretty exciting. And then actually today, as of recording this podcast, we got some Pokemon Go TCG product revealed. Which I am stoked for, but we can talk about that later. It's, it's looking <laughs> pretty good. I mean, I'm going to be having pictures kind of showing you guys on the video form of this, but uh, the products just look really awesome. So any other news you had on your mind to, to hit on? Those were the big ones, and uh, the Gen 9 announcement literally uh, was debuted the day after we did our first recording. Yeah, it was like right after. It was that Sunday. Yeah, it was that Sunday morning, and we recorded the Saturday before that, and it was like a two-hour podcast, and I woke up to the news of, oh, Gen 9. I'm like, oh, this has to be fake. Yeah. No, no, it was not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and yeah, it uh, it was something, and I tell you what. Like I'm, I'm more excited about this gin than pretty much every gin within the last four or five. I mean, uh, the games are going to be called Scarlet and Violet. It's going to be themed around Spain, I believe. Yep. And uh, yeah, we have all three starters revealed too, and some uh, screenshots of the gameplay and even the world itself. So. Out of the three starters, we have Spirigatito, which is a grass cat Pokemon. Sprigatito, I think. Sprigatito, yeah. Because Gato, Gato is Spanish for cat, and I, th- I think the the Tito part of it is saying little cat. Yeah, yeah, I my did Spanish, see that. My, my Spanish is a little rusty, but uh, so, yeah. I haven't taken it in about 12 years. But I, <laughs> well, I mine's even more rusty. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> All right, and then we got Fukoko, who is a fire croc Pokemon, more of a laid back. And then we have Quaxley, a duckling Pokemon, who's earnest and tidy. Those are the kind of official descriptions they gave of the starter Pokemon. Or the Johnny Bravo. Yeah, he's got the Johnny Bravo here. And you know, I even, that was the only one I didn't like at first. 
And really? I remember messaging you saying like, why has he got a hat? <laughs> Cause I didn't realize it was, you know, his fluff or his hair or anything. I do like him a lot more now that you pointed that out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, probably want to tamper your expectations until we see the final evolves, but the base forms, I think all look great. Even yeah. the, the, the killer or the, uh, the croc, I, I wasn't quite sure what it was. Um, like I thought it was like some sort of reptile, maybe a dinosaur, but finally I, I read that it's actually a croc. I was like, okay. Yeah. He um, does look dinosaur like, right. Like he's got like the, uh, the hoofs. Yeah. And, or, or, uh, the nails or whatever, kind of the talons or whatever you, you would see with dinosaurs. But, uh, for sure, he, he looks like, I don't know. His form is the one that inspires me the least. Um, but I'm hoping his final evolve will be, will make up for it. Yeah. And like when I first saw these, like, I don't know, there's just something about it that almost like threw me back in time with the old Pokemon games. Mm-hmm. When I look at the fire type, you know, the fire croc, it really has a simple kind of unique design going back to the early days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the grass cat, it's it's a really good design. And a lot of people didn't really like it because they just took a cat and kind of made it a grass type <laughs> flare. But it's still like a really good, simple design. You know, it's not like a, a keychain or anything. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, and then the duck is good too, but the duck has like Gen 3, Gen 4 vibes. The cat almost has like XY, Sun and Moon vibes as far as design goes. But uh, the fire croc, I mean, that that design, I don't know what it is. It looks like that could be, you know, Gen 2. But maybe that's why I'm excited. I don't know. Yeah, I think they, uh, I would have to agree with you. I think these potentially have the best potential for um, starters for a region that we've seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, the last couple of gens have had, you know, some good ones here and there, but nothing really overwhelming. First look for these, and it's got everybody hyped. Uh, I, th- I think that says a lot about people's expectations for this gen and for these starters. And I think Pokemon knows. That there's a lot of expectations for them, especially after the Pokemon Arceus game. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to hit it out of the park. But I understand some people are a little bit nervous or are going to wait and see a little bit. Um, yeah. Especially because we, we've discussed this before, but the Sword and Shield stream, or mainline game isn't exactly incredible. At least I didn't think it was. Yeah. Um, if it's a mix between that and Arceus and they like just add more stuff and like more flair and fluff to the game, I think it'd be pretty solid. Yeah. They or N- Nintendo said that it's supposed to have no boundaries. Um, so my, my interpretation of that automatically is it's, going to be something similar to what we expect from pokemon you know the the badges and the elite four with victory road and all that uh but it's also going to have that real world exploration that you you would experience saying uh not breath of the wild but um yeah Yeah. breath of the wild yeah and that's what they need to do they need to just make breath of the wild pokemon style like 
because people would love that. That's kind of what people were thinking about when Arceus came out, but it kind of fell short because there wasn't, you know, a lot of meat there for like the exploration and stuff like that. But you could tell they're trying to move towards that. And I think this is going to be a really big step. Yeah, I think, I think they have listened to their player base, their fan base. Um, and like you're seeing the, I'm looking through some of the images now on Koki beach and it looks great. It does. The game itself looks great. Uh, it seems like there's more detail, especially compared to uh, Sword and Shield. Yeah. And yeah, they got a I'm lot really... of screenshots, which yeah. I'll, be, I'll be showing off here in the video. Yeah, it looks good overall. I'm excited. And uh, they did mention that it's going to connect to Pokemon Home, but can only receive specific Pokemon. So once again, I don't think this game is going to have like the full Pokédex, unfortunately. Because them saying that makes me think, you know, it's going to have like a regional Pokedex and that's kind of it. And it's not going to support them all. I could see the benefits of having just this region's Pokemon, at least in, on first playthrough. That would be ideal. And then as you beat it, you quote unquote unlock the spawn points and it goes to 50-50 older uh generation pokemon and the same gen yeah that's kind of how old games worked like you know you just beat the game and once you beat the game you got like a national decks and more pokemon started spawning and you got to open it up a little more but yeah we'll see it'll really extend its playability yeah for sure because the main thing is sword and shield seems to be shiny hunting and i don't know it just with the the rates of that it just seems like I know you're trying to 100% a game, but it's just I've never been a big big fan of just going until you're 100%. I usually lost interest. Yeah, like I get to like get to like 95, and I'm and like the last five percent would be just another grind in and of itself. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm ready to go on to the next game. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of a completionist, so I <laughs> I go for it. That's why yeah. I actually uh, completed the living decks on all the games up to Sun and Moon or Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon here recently, just so I could get geared up to jump into the Switch games, which I still haven't played because I haven't been that excited for. But I mean, this might be where I jump in at, so we'll see. I will have to go back and play Sword and Shield though, so. You're not missing much. <laughs> well, I gotta keep that living decks going, man. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, grind. I understand. Honestly, that wasn't the only news that we uh, that yeah. were released. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Uh, we got Astral Radiance has been revealed, and it is looking pretty nice. What you think about that? Yeah, um, I am personally excited to see this new type of uh, rarity, um, sparkling Pokemon. Uh, I think there's only th three that they've released so far for Battle Region. Um, yeah. One is the Halucha. The other is the Greninja. And I, I like these. I like I them did, a lot, it, too. They remind me of the Shining cards from, uh, oh, what, what was the first special set? Like Shining Legends? Mm -hmm. Like, it reminds me of those cards, but, like, a little different. Like, it, they got more of a sparkle instead of, like, a shiny 
It's kind of a mix between those and the amazing rares, I feel, but shiny versions. And the the Japanese sets were experimenting with this sort of rarity even before this. They've they've added a more of a sparkle, like a, a gleam to it. But they were they did have this uh, this foil gloss, like almost these circle mirror like features. Um, not quite as sharp as what we're seeing with these photos mm-hmm. or, or with these cards. But this just kind of adds, I feel like, another element onto that, and obviously they're they're shining. But what I like about it is, they're all in all, they are simple cards in terms of of design, um, especially compared to their full arts that they've been dropping with their alternate arts and mm-hmm. rainbows and all their other ultra ultra rares and secret rares. This this is something that I like because. In the beginning, with with Wasi, it was really more. Obviously, it was just about the hollows. There really wasn't too much else, and but they were still able to make amazing art and amazing cards. And I think this is kind of going back to that to that style. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great because it just shows that Pokemon doesn't have to make a alternate art or or something new to make to make a card interesting for collectors and fans of both those Pokemon and just of in, in general. So Yeah. And this set's gonna be a combination of Time Gazer and Space Juggler from Japan. And it's releasing in Japan on April eighth. And they're will each feature sixty seven cards before secret rares. So for those of you who don't know, this is usually how most main sets release. They release a little earlier in Japan as like two separate sets. And then they get combined, and then they come over to the U.S. and other countries to release in English. So that's kind of how it all works with that. So uh, we'll be able to I'm see. Say, I think it's, What's up? Oh, yeah. I, I, was, I was just going to say, I think it also is going to include some of Battle Region as well. Yeah, that's usually they'll mix in kind of a lot of other things that are releasing before just to kind of mix it up. And a lot of the promos that you'll see from Japan and English are different. Some get put in the set. Some get put in our tins because they're not really big on like tins and stuff over there. But uh, yeah, we'll be able to see the Japanese product open April 8th. And we'll be kind of getting a nice little teaser for what we're going to be seeing here soon. I think it's May 27th. There, Yeah, May 27th, of course. So you can probably get it a few days before then. If you're lucky with your Walmart or Target, sometimes yeah. they'll they'll stock it a few days before actual release day. And uh, this this set is also heavily inspired by the Legends of RCS game as well. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> and this was what we talked about in episode one, how they released that diamond and pearl and platinum artwork. They had the mm-hmm. origin form of Giratina on there, which was kind of the extra stuff for platinum that differentiated between diamond and pearl. And, uh, so you had the origin form Giratina back in the day. And now we have origin form Dialga Palkia, which is like kind of blending diamond, pearl, platinum, as well as kind of blending Arceus and the Arceus games, as well as again, (laughs) blending like the origin form Giratina and like the time space distortion stuff. So it's all kind of like a mixed mash of like the old games, the old forms, the new Arceus game, 
and it's really just coming together to be a, a really cool, almost, it seems like it's almost a collaboration between generations. Mm-hmm. And now we're just wrapping it up, you know, the conclusion to the Arceus era once again. And the design that they chose for these ETBs especially, um, I think, are absolutely amazing. I love the uh, contrast, like the dark contrast of colors between black and red. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like something you, you would almost expect to see as like a almost a Halloween promotion, like a special Halloween drop yeah. or like, like a, a, a special variant. Special uh, box or something. Mm-hmm. The Poke Center has more purple in it so i mean you still have that contrast but it's not quite as stark as the uh the usual box um one thing i noticed it looks like the pokemon center etb is the same size which i granted i'm only looking at the stock photos they provided but it looks like it's just the same box you know alternate colors like you said but it looks like similar size and dimensions which people have kind of been asking for. It's been kind of annoying to have different sizes of Pokemon Center boxes and normal boxes. Well, the difference is they have two more packs. Um, yeah. But you don't need least... to have, like, the box bigger for that, though. No, no, you're right. They don't. I mean, you can squeeze two more packs inside one of those little uh, cubbies inside th- that box. Yeah. Plus, Plus, it's cheaper to make and all that. So. That's what I was getting ready to say. It makes sense just <laughs> to keep the same dimensions. Yeah, cause... just change the design. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's about it for Astral Radiance. I mean, I'm excited. These these last few sets, you know, Brilliant Stars and Astral Radiance just seem to be hitting a sweet spot. I love, like, the 80s and, like, neon design of the logo of Astral Radiance, too. I think that'll pull a lot of people in. And, of course, the Hisui and Typhlosion looking awesome. Yeah. I'm a big fan of him. Yeah. The other two just are not on the same level, you know? No. I think they've been doing really well with the design of their sets, especially their products as a whole. Really, I mean, there's certainly exceptions to the norm, but I feel like since, like, 2018, they've they've been really, really going hard. And then really 2020 also, especially. Like, whenever they had the influx of new new uh people it seems like they've they've undergone like how can we stay fresh how can we keep these people interested and i think they've done really really well yeah and that that year you know they were catching up and just trying to maintain the same and then now that we're kind of powering through coming out on the other end like you said they're just really you know taking a step back seeing what they could do and just really delivering quality products Mm-hmm. So, it's almost make it hard to uh, focus on your goals for what you want, mm-hmm. especially when there's so much. It's very difficult. Like I, I kind of took a break from from modern, but it was very difficult trying to maintain pace with all these cool alternate arts that were coming out. It's you just kind of need to take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, basically what I do, I focus on like old goals, which is kind of like what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. And then give it like a couple months. Like I was just looking up the uh, special delivery Bidoof and the uh, beauty looking back Pikachu yesterday. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just now like, okay, I need to maybe pick these up soon because hype might be at its all time low and they might start 
you know, picking up. So I I wait like months, but then I look at the the sets that released like three months ago and like, okay, I really want a copy of this card and I really want a copy of this card. And, you know, I kind of go from there. I do really want to open this set and I've been really wanting to open up uh, Brilliant Stars too. I actually but, had uh, some good luck with Brilliant Stars opening. I pulled two uh, character rare Umbreons and they were great condition. Uh, and it was really fun because I've had products or sets where I would open the whole ETB and it would be a complete miss. Yeah, bust. But yeah, but that was not the case. I actually got full art trainer and I got the Umbreon character rare. And I was like, that's actually not a half bad ETB. Yeah. Yep. I, it's been really fun. Like I've been watching openings and I have a friend um, back from my hometown who's been wanting to open some. So maybe we'll get a booster box of brilliant stars or this depending on when we meet because he's been wanting to crack it open he's been collecting modern kind of casually so it'll be fun just to scratch my itch with that again yeah it is fun too i know i've said before you know it is kind of like gambling opening packs but at the same time it is fun opening packs that is kind of it makes you feel like a kid again like you're opening pokemon packs you don't know what you're gonna pull you hope for the best yeah, and you know if if you as long as you don't go in thinking like if I don't get the chase card it's a bust and just kind of tampering your expectations and hopefully you get good pulls. I've had we can go into we'll, we'll go into this some of the detail a little bit later and maybe even a later episode. But you know there are some sets where the pull rates are absolutely atrocious and yeah. it makes it for a rough time opening. And, you know, honestly, we talked about Evolving Skies here and there and even the last episode. Mm-hmm. That can kind of be one of those sets sometimes because, you know, they've combined, you know, the two Japanese sets. Whereas, like, the Japanese product, EV Heroes, it's like you're getting hits all the time. So that's another difference between English and Japanese. So I feel like the bang for your buck or, like, the exciting pulls are just on another level in Japan. It is cool though with English products. You, you while you don't get a guarantee you'll get a secret rare, you could potentially get more. Like I think I bought what was it like I kinda of, kinda of went crazy with the EV heroes. I think I bought like ten boxes. I was hoping to get to see Embryon. Yeah. I was I was chasing it. I was absolutely chasing it. But I had a great time opening the whole entire set. I I don't think I've had such a great time opening packs since evolutions in terms of just the experience and mm-hmm. just pulling an EV, some sort of evolution V every few packs. It was very, very fun. But then once I pulled a secret rare, it'd be like 10 packs in while there was a chance I could get another. I j- just stopped. Yeah. I was like, there's no point. I already got what I was trying to get. I actually did get a few alternate arts. So it was, it was awesome, but I didn't get the chase card. That was the, Umbreon VMAX alternate art. That card I absolutely love, and I will get eventually, but Modern is not in my, my goals currently right now. So Yeah. And if you guys didn't know, there's a EV Heroes special box. You should check that out. Huh? Huh? And that one, I think, <laughs> will be... We both have these boxes. Yeah, uh, disclaimer. We th- yeah, yeah. You know, we think that it is... It will do well 
long term and also just as a display piece it has amazing art on it yeah i'm gonna say right now yeah i own the box i believe in the box i don't think i can hype up the box because it's underrated no matter how much you talk about because it's one of the best boxes best special boxes of all time you get two japanese booster boxes of ev heroes the Espeon VMAX, the artwork is like the Eevee collector's wet dream. <laughs> it's just, it's an awesome product. And I hope they continue with that. I mean, they've been kind of not doing as many, but they were doing a lot there for a while. Um, but they're starting to, you know, do special sets like our next news topic, the Pokemon Go set. And, yeah. Uh, this is going to be real interesting, too. There's not too much that we know about it. Um, we'll know more. Uh, I believe the Japanese drops June 17th, and ours is July 1st. Um, we do know it's a special set. We do know it's going to have a Elite Trainer box and a Poké Center variant. I'm definitely going to have to get at least one, if not probably two, of the Poké Center variant. And I do want to open these packs. I hope that they do. Um, they have di multiple interpretations and variations mm -hmm. with the, the, with the art style, um, within these cards. I hope it's like the Pokemon go art style, which kind of seems to be, you know, a given, I mean, that's usually what mm -hmm. they do plus the art of the pack, but it's going to be, like the art on the pack specifically, it looks like it's going to be Pokemon Go and like the backgrounds be kind of real world or like, you know, there's a Blissey standing on a gym. So that's going to be pretty cool. You know, kind of the, the meta of the games. Yeah. You got Larvitar eating a, a gold berry. <laughs> like it's just going to be really awesome. The blend of the stuff. And I would... I'd be curious if they even go real world with it. Um, it would be cool to also see, like, Pokemon Go Live likes to have you tweet out your photos of their big events or community day or whatever. I would love to see if potentially they would use some inspirations from those type of uh, cards or from those type of photos and have actual real world places mm -hmm. uh, as the background. And I would also like to see, like, you know, kind of unique art, kind of the traditional art that we kind of expect, at least with, like, the backgrounds, but also kind of have some Pokemon Go inspirations within the art itself. Yeah. And another thing I really want to see is they have Professor Willow, so I assume there's going to be at least, I would think there's going to be a full art trainer of him, but I would like to see all the full art trainers, maybe even Giovanni. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, you know, along with the Elite Trainer box and then the Pokemon Center box, we're apparently getting a premium collection. So that is interesting. Um, we're getting special collections, which we do have pictures of minus the featured card. So that, like you saying that, you know, I bet we're going to get a full art card of each of the team's main person. You know, yeah, because you get the uh, like in the mystic one, I think all of them come with like six packs and you get a nice little pin of like mystic valor and instinct. 
and then it features the leader of that team on the box and then there's a promo card up front which they haven't revealed yet and i bet that's going to be like a full art trainer of the leaders of the teams and since they've been going with this character rare theme it would be really cool to have even the that full art with their designated bird yeah. their, their team symbol or something something of that nature you know yeah. uh i think that'd be really unique i chose mystic is my main team so that's that is the one I was going to choose, and whatever design that has Mystic on front will be the one that I do choose. I wouldn't mind having all three of them. Yeah, um, it'd be cool. But yeah, that premium collection, I'm really curious about that one. Yeah, and like the only other premium collection we had was the 25th anniversary where you know we got our gold cards and all that, and uh, who knows what this could entail. If if the if the art's good good on it, I might just get it regardless. But if the art is ideal, is something that really speaks to me, I will have to get one for my collection. I don't really collect as much sealed as I used to. I kind of that, that's a whole other story. But uh, I kind of got out of the whole modern most of the modern sealed game. Um, but things that I really like that I would like to have it as display pieces or just part of like my history, my personal history within the PCG, I, I will buy Heap Sealed. And I think this yeah. is looking like something that I will include in that list. Last thing I bought sealed was Evolving Skies and the EV special box. I mean, I just love that set. I mean, I'll probably, I want to pick up some Evolving Skies, maybe a booster box or two, just to toss away or another special box. But yeah, I just want to get some old goals first. But we're also mm-hmm. going to have tins, Pokeball tins, mini tins, V-decks for all this Pokemon Go set. So, I mean, it's a full-on set, and they're going to be going all out. It's basically the the celebrations. You know, they're going to have a product of every type and just throw it out there. So, what I think they're doing is, like, maybe each year doing a like a super special set last year being celebrations this year being Pokemon go and then just having like a ridiculous product line and then maybe offsetting that, you know, the later part of the year, the holiday set being a smaller one like shining fates and hidden fates. And then everything in between being just a normal set release. That seems to be the model for English right now, in my opinion. Yeah. I, uh, I was actually also curious if they were going to try to coincide the release of this set with what is typically Pokemon Go's biggest event in their GoFest. Now, obviously we haven't had the last two years, and the two years before that, well, the year before that I believe was in June, and and the year before that it was in July, and it was miserable, absolutely miserable. I... I remember I that year I barely ate anything. I probably walked 30 kilometers, if not more. And by the end of it, I was suffering from some sort of low blood sugar combined with heat. Heat exhaustion. <laughs> yeah. And if they, I mean, it, it's possible that they could have this in, Jul- in July to their GoFest. But I was, I was, I'm personally hoping that they somehow are able to have these packs available or even special promos for this set 
at the Pokemon Go Fest. Yeah. Because there's be... obviously, I would say there's definitely a high correlation between folks that play the, or are into collecting the cards with Pokemon Go and those who play Pokemon Go. Yeah, it's it's like a perfect collaboration. They should have done this, you know, back in the day, but I mean, they already had evolutions and all that crap. Yeah. So, but yeah, I guess that's pretty much all we know. I mean, I love the idea. I the only thing I kind of disagree on your end with is like I hope they don't have like real life designs in the back. I mean, having the Pokemon and then the real in the back might be a little weird, but like a little too weird for me. If you look at the pack art though, that's kind of what they did, but they made the background, you know, their Pokemon style. So I think that would be like the perfect way to go, but you know, you can take pictures of your Pokemon on Pokemon Go, so I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to implement that in the TCG somehow. Or even into the promos if they don't have too much of the actual artwork. Because you're right, like the Mewtwo has the, the city and the background, and it's almost reminiscent of like CGI almost, not quite real life, but close to it. Yeah. And But then you have like the bottom left with Apom where... It looks like traditional, what you would expect from a Pokemon card, from like a common yeah. card. So it definitely, I, I feel like we're going to get some sort of blend. Yeah, and then the Pikachu looks realistic, but you could mm-hmm. tell they did some type of blurring and like they didn't just over the top it. Like, you know, they touched it up and edited it and stuff like that pretty well to where it's not blatantly, obviously realistic and kind of a nice yeah. mix. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Well, I guess that about does it for the news section. Shall we uh, better hop into the main topic so we don't I'm down. <laughs> get We going. are actual first uh, contribution of content. Yeah, so uh, this main topic for our episode or debut content episode in episode two of the Pokey Talk is the 2020 hype. We are now, you know, over a year out from the big 2020 hype. You know, it really was peak in about October of 2020. So we're not quite at the two-year mark yet. But I feel like we've had enough time where we can kind of sit back and reflect. And a lot of people were making these videos about six months ago when we got over the hype and we were entering the bear market, but now that's kind of played out as well, and things are really balancing out quite nice, so we just wanted to check out the 2020 hype, the effects of the hype, our analysis of it, will it happen again, and what has changed, and we'll kind of touch on the PSA backlog, and on my end, I wanted to talk about the increase of PSA slab supply, and yeah, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's, it was already having a increased demand, the demand for Pokemon and resurgence and interest in the beginning of the year. What could you say what was going on in the beginning of the year, around the time of the pandemic? So we kind of, like in my opinion, you know, we had the Pokemon Go hype 
let's go back to like 2016 before Pokemon Go or the quote unquote Go hype. That was a that was our first peak where like Pokemon really started to gain interest again. Before 2016, it was just kind of more of the same. The people collecting were just, you know, buying the set, collecting the promos, you know, doing their own thing. You didn't really hear much about them. Everybody and their mother wasn't on YouTube or Instagram. There was a few. But, uh, you know, it was just kind of status quo. And then 2016 came around. You noticed Pokemon really taking off. People who once opened the cards and all that were buying Evolutions. Evolutions was a great product. Then and now it's still a great product, even though printed quite a bit. It maintains value despite all that. Because it's just such a great product, great product to open. And uh, so that's what really got the ball rolling. And Pokemon Go kind of came and went. It's had its moments too, ups and downs. But uh, for some reason, around 2019, things were kind of calmed from the Pokemon Go craze. But things were still higher than before the Go craze. And that's really similar to like how we're feeling now, in my opinion. Things, all the hype has died down. The people collecting now are in it for the right reasons. They're not trying to make a quick buck. You know, people are sticking with it and retaining the hobby because they actually enjoy it. They're not just doing it because they saw Logic bust out $300,000 for Charizard and they want some money too. You know, and the thing that I have in my head that just shows that experience as a whole is me walking into GameStop when Shining Fates released and then when Celebrations released. And both times, like I'll just explain the Celebrations one, I just walked in and was like, hey, you know, Celebrations released today. I didn't pre-order it or anything. I knew there was going to be a ton of it by that point, which was reported you know, and, uh, there was this guy probably in his forties who, you know, heard me ask and he's like, Oh, you should have, you should have asked me, you know, I, I have a case coming in tomorrow and I'm like, Oh yeah. Like you, you're going to sell those. Oh no, I'm just going to put it away and see what happens in about six months. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, uh, I just kind of, well, like, oh, well, uh, I mean, I'll buy one right now. I mean, there's going to be plenty of these things. And he just said, well, we'll just see what happens. And uh, that's, you know, basically the mentality of casuals buying all this modern product, despite of their knowledge of Pokemon. They're just, we got to the point where people were just buying it just to buy it. And like that guy said, see what happens. That guy didn't know that yeah. they just printed it to oblivion. Because Pokemon doesn't want stuff like this to happen. They want their product available to everyone who wants to buy it. Especially kids who aren't checking Target every single day of their life. You know, cleaning out the, the shelves. So that's just kind of where Pokemon got to. But And it's interesting that you bring up that guy that you encountered. Because this is not somebody I encountered physically. Uh, but in a Discord group I'm in centering around collecting in Pokemon TCG, there was an individual who said they dropped nearly $15,000 on celebrations. 
Yikes. I think it was I think it was ten cases of ETBs and something like five cases of the ultimate premium collection. Um, now he said that and there was a couple people, including a a YouTuber that even, you know, got in on the conversation. You know, we weren't trying to be rude or anything, but we we were just saying, like, are you sure about that? Yeah, like, this is going to be a small set. By, <laughs> by then, we already knew it was going to be a small set. And you were hoping for this hype that wasn't, that never came, that wasn't ever going to come. Because it was a smaller set, and it was printed to the ground, it seemed like. Because Celebrations was the first set that we received um, pandemic or, you know, basically since 2020 that was actually stocked. Yeah. Some people had issues the first couple weeks. But, I mean, I know here in town, I was able to walk into a store, and I would almost see two ETBs at least. And, you know, a few of the Pikachu V Union boxes and the uh, Pikachu box. Yeah, um, at Target. I don't even see a few of those. At Targets, the display was in the toy section, and they had an entire end cap at our Target, and then I know two other Targets, so like that's how they displayed. They just put an entire end cap, which is the end of an aisle, and basically two sections of the aisle on each side, and then they just filled it with ETBs. Like I walked in one time, there yeah. was 20-plus ETBs there. And I think in January, so this is about a year ago from now, approximately, I, I, it might have been towards the end of 2020, it was announced that TCPI had, there was more um, printing facilities that they were going to use for Pokemon. And I think it became pretty obvious that one of the main things that they used to print on these increased printing capacity was one, Evolving Skies, that was definitely one of them, but also the celebrations. They yeah. were ready. They did not want to have product issues like they've had for the whole year past in the, the, their fourth quarter and for their anniversary set. They were ready to get these cards in collector's hands for as cheap as possible, so they printed up as much as possible and kept the set small. Yeah. So you didn't have to open a bunch to get a good portion of what you're going after. And it was a good call. I mean, yeah, if this was a big set, I mean, those things would be harder to get, but just because it's so small and yeah, just a combination, like they knew what they were doing. And before this even released, people were starting to see, you know, holy crap, there might be actually a lot of this product. And before that, you know, I kind of wish we were doing the podcast then as it was happening. Cause I mean, we were talking and I remember saying like, people are making money now, but Pokemon is... Number one thing, they want product available for kids and all ages. They don't want just product available and people to resell. But they just went all out and just made it happen. And, you know, it's all fun and games, but one day those people are going to get burned. All the people who signed up through distributors, you know, they have to meet a certain amount to kind of maintain their status with a lot of distributors, especially newer accounts who can't quite buy like such a big quantity. Um, you know, a new set's going to come out and Pokemon isn't going to be doing too hot. It's going to kind of be a flop set. And if you don't order those boxes anyway, they're going to, you know, say bye. 
you know, it's, it's just kind of a risk you take and it was easy money back then with, you know, a lot of things given the pandemic and all the stimulus and stuff, but you know, people got burned and that's kind of shaking it up today. That's where we're at now today is, uh, you know, everybody's been shaken up. That guy who spent 15,000 on celebrations, he's probably rethinking his business strategies and, uh, Maybe maybe his retirement plan as well. <laughs> I was going to say, if he spent that much on that set, I would hope he has the disposable income to where it's not as huge of a deal. Obviously, he had a live and learn moment, right? Yeah. Uh, and I don't think we could ask, where are you, where is he now? The guy that dropped $15,000 on celebrations. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not... He's not going to talk about it because I think by this point, the person knows that he messed up. Now, long, long term maybe 20 years, whatever, you might see, you might see you make a profit, but I mean, not only you have opportunity costs, but you have the, the growth. You could probably find higher percentage of growth. Like if you put $15,000 into, uh, I don't know, um, certain premier Japanese promos, like yeah. the Mario Luigi, the, the Pancho Pikachu promos, those are the ones that are probably going to see some of that growth, some of that crazy growth as time goes by. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be more steady, obviously. It's not just gonna, cause they've already had a big growth uh, period. Mm-hmm. And those but, things but so- are the, some of the things we didn't see decline as much, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, long story short, I mean, basically we've had a bear market now for months and we're, we've kind of been at the bottom. And I think in my opinion, we're kind of evening out, but some things like Japanese promos have kind of. You know, they went down a little bit, but mm-hmm. not nearly as much, like maybe 5% compared to other stuff that's like 50 plus percent. Um, so, yeah, yeah everything is kind of balancing out. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the, the Japanese Pokemon Center promos, um, I think the 10s were going for like three to 400 on a few of them. Uh, now they've dropped down to like 200 because obviously the Japanese cards, they have a higher percentage that are going to be 10s and they're modern cards. So the... the the same thing. Uh, but those cards raw haven't really changed too crazy much. I know some of them did kind of start hit towards 100, but a few of them, uh, like some of the more recent ones, have stayed around 50 to 60 bucks. Um, yeah. So they've really, and that's something you're probably going to see, and you're probably going to see more of a healthy growth and continual growth with those type of cards because a lot of them feature Pikachu, which is one of the most popular characters to collect. Anything you got like a Pikachu premium, you know, on any card where he's featured, and mm-hmm. they're always going to do well, especially when you got him in adorable costumes, him, her, whatever, uh, in like adorable costumes. It's hard not to like, oh, I yeah. need one of those. <laughs> yeah, and when uh, uh, I think we're going to touch on this a little bit later in our uh, our game section, which is going to be new for this episode. Uh, but yeah, when I when I look back at Japanese promos, I think of pre-2018 and especially like Sun and Moon era. There were so many Sun and Moon era promos. So that's where the sweet spot was before um, the 2020 hype and after the Pokemon Go hype. You know, we just saw, like I said, kind of status quo releases, but the magic was in the Japanese special products and promos. We had the screen promos with like you know, the the Scream display over in Japan. And we had the Mario Pikachu and, 
Luigi Pikachu cards in their own special box. We had all the Poncho Pikachus in their special box, like you said. We had like the Festa promos. We had just so many good promos. That was the bread and butter between Pokemon Go and 2020. So that's kind of where I was going with all that. But with the Pokemon promos also came like lack of knowledge. So I think I maybe maybe mentioned this too. I know I mentioned it on my Instagram, but that Festa Pikachu I just bought and graded a 10. I sold that card for $100, you know, back in 2017 <laughs> just to finish out another goal. So, How much did you pay for it when you uh, bought it again? So it was over 2 k as I'll say that. <laughs> but it was worth it. Granted, it got a 10. So if it would have yeah. got a 9, I would have been even, and I probably would have tried to do it again. But I was really confident, and it paid off. So... Worth, I don't know. It's just people became knowledgeable about those cards. I don't know. It's almost deja vu. So you had the go hype. Then you had like just great Japanese promo releases that weren't very, you know, out there as far as information goes. And then as you got closer to 2020, more people started discovering those. You saw those cards kind of go up. Like, I think that Pikachu went up to, like, 500 to to $1,000 range when I looked at it again. And I was like, oh, my God, why did I sell that? And, uh, yeah, then the 2020 hype just took everything where it was and just inflated it pretty much across the board. And I think everything was justified except for, like, the base set stuff. So we saw the biggest inflation off, you know, Watsy stuff. Because people were not learning more about the hobby. People were, well, they were, but they were just joining the hobby fresh. So that's the first thing people went to. Because it's the first thing they had. Yeah, so everything across the board got inflated. And maybe something should have, like the Japanese promos and stuff like that. But a lot of things, the biggest problem was, is that they got inflated too much because of the hype. And... All the Watsy stuff, base set stuff, especially. That was the biggest culprit. Because people don't realize how much base set was actually printed. Even though it's 25 years old, there was just so much. Like, it's an understatement. Especially the Unlimited. And even now, like, most of my cards, some of my cards were about nines. Basically, most of my Japanese cards were nines or tens that I had. But I even, some of my OG collection, I pulled a, a PSA 9 Unlimited Algazam, for example. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there are people that were even a few years older than me that took better care of their cards from the very beginning. Because I did play with some of my cards. I mean, I didn't play well, but I played. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I would obviously sh- show off the Charizard at school be like hey look what i got check this out yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh but i think it's hard to fathom it's hard to put an exact amount to the amount that was printed but even to this day i mean we're we can talk about this at a later episode as well but like for example like the tcg player you can still get moderately played shadowless even for 
several hundred dollars, non-hollow, that whole yeah. set non-hollow. And unlimited is, is, is going to be even cheaper, depending on which condition you're trying to get. But, and you're starting to see that in the pop reports for, for base set now. We still got a 5 million the backlog with PSA, approximately. Not sure how much of that's Pokemon. Um, we do know Pokemon was the number one most graded card, type of card for PSA in February, so we know there's a lot in the backlog that, that is Pokemon. Yeah. Um, and I think you'll continue to see some of the base set unlimited prices, at least for, for some of the graded stuff, to continue to, to drop. I'm not saying it's going to crash. I, I don't think that. But you're not going to see that growth that you were hoping to continue from the hype over Logan Paul and Logic. Yeah, it'll it'll even out. Like I said, I mean, we're seeing everything. You know, maybe we did have a crash a couple months ago where everyone was realizing this and stuff was coming back, but it's slowing down. It's evening out. Some stuff is like super cheap where it's not even worth grading anymore. That's another point I want to talk about. It's like a lot of this stuff, unless it's a 9 or a 10, it's not even worth grading, like even base set hollows anymore because the lower tiers aren't open. So that's my biggest factor is if this will happen again, is that, you know, if this supply, which you wouldn't think so, but if this supply gets bought up, you know, people are still not sending in like base set hollows. So which one weighs more like how many base set hollows were sent in or how many mm-hmm. base set hollows still have to be sent in and because of the craze and because everyone was collecting you know base set first and just going after what they collected you know it's just going to be so many cards coming back that are graded and we're not going to see the thirst or the demand for PSA graded cards so that was I the, think the Go ahead. I was gonna say I think I think the market will eventually be able to absorb a decent amount of the base set unlimited. But it's going to take a while. Yeah. Now what that number is, I can't say, but it's in years. I think it's in years. And I also think it's more than several. Like if you're hoping it'll it'll change up by twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, I do not think so. We still haven't even seen potentially the bottom for some of these sets as well because we know there is a lot more still coming back. And as you said, there's still a lot more that has yet to be graded. And we know PSA is going to lower their their tiers. They have said so on their podcast multiple times. They have mentioned specifically uh, around like, you know, the $10 range that they had through their third party uh, vendors that would send to them like Hudkins. Mm-hmm. So we know that's coming. We know it's going to cause even more saturation of slab cards on the market. And not just of base set and Watsi, but some of the modern sets, especially the modern sets released in the last two years that didn't, or a year and a half or whatever, that didn't make it to the PSA's gates before they shut down. Or not shut down, but, you know, stop allowing bulk submissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see long term where some of these prices are going to hit at. But it's I, I can tell you right now, it's going to be a buyer's market for a while for most things. Yeah. Um, like then, the cards that we mentioned, those cards are still going to continue to do well. But other things like base set, um, 
evolutions, uh, hidden fates, cosmic eclipse, you know, and eventually evolving skies, once they open, um, it's going to be good to be able to buy slab cards. Mm-hmm. I still think for a lot of these sets, it's better to buy... Well, right now, it might be some of the evolutions, for example, in 9 might be cheap enough. It's just better just to go ahead and just buy it. Um, and that's probably going to be like that for a little bit. But a few of these other things, it's... Once that you start seeing PSA's tiers opening up, it might be better to do to grade your own, but it might be cheaper, honestly, just to buy graded for some of these sets that are going to continue being at a low point. Yeah, and it'll mostly depend on what you know you're going for. If it's like yeah, yeah set cards, you know, maybe you can find a good Charizard here and there, and those will always be worth grading, but. Yeah, you just kind of have to gauge the market as a whole. You know, you don't want to be buying non-hollow PSA 9s. You know, if you, well, I mean, you don't want to be grading, you know, non-hollow, like going for the 9s, basically what I wanted to say. You might want to buy the PSA 9s and stuff like that because it's not going to be worth it at all if it, like, is below the grade you're shooting for. And uh, a lot of people still don't have a lot of experience with grading because a lot of these new people sent to third parties or, you know, they've only sent two orders, which they still have yet to get back. So they don't even know how well they did on guessing their grades because they don't have the cards back still. So people are still like fresh to, to grading. So I think the want will be there, but like you said, it's going to take years to kind of even out. It's going to be a, a teeter totter, and uh, and yeah. Oh, oh yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, as the tiers open, you know, those tiers will still take longer than before, you know, the hype thing. But I mean, they're just gonna get flooded. Every tier that opens, they're just gonna get <laughs> flooded with more stuff, and so you gotta kind of step back. Okay, well, what what are they being flooded with? Should I wait to buy this car? Yeah, or because everybody's you know saying in the same thing. Yeah. Everyone who sent everything, I mean, they're they're keeping a log of their cards. And if you're buying modern and stashing this card away, like how many? Just think how many other people are gonna do that. It's kind of like modern product with sealed stuff now. How many people are collecting sealed? Every single person, pretty much, mm-hmm. who's buying modern is like, oh, oh, oh I want to keep one sealed. I want to do this. Because they think it's going to hit the prices for the Watsy boxes, and that isn't a guarantee because yeah. they aren't exactly always going up. And so imagine how many people that are keeping it sealed that will successfully keep it sealed for 20-plus years. Mm-hmm. I And they, you know, they might, but, yeah, it's just going to be, you know, if it took base set and, like, however many hype trains to get to this point, like, it's going to take tenfold to have celebrations release, you know, reach that point. So it's just going to require more. And then everyone in their, you know, closet has sealed modern. So it's, I don't know. It's just not, not the way to go. In my opinion, collecting modern sealed. Unless you want that set, you want to collect that set. I I think if you want to go for it, if it's something, yeah, you, enjoy yourself and that that is what i'm meaning like i'm just thinking back at the celebrations guy in gamestop it's like if you're going after the set trying to make a buck like that is not 
the way to go. Like buy the sets you enjoy and want to open later or stuff like that. And that, you know, it's okay to stash away a box that you think might make you money down the road if you truly believe in that set. But, you know, that's kind of what I'm doing with the EV Hero special box. But I love that set and I love that box itself. So just kind of what I'm just trying to say is just go back to the roots. That's kind of what happened between Go and the hype. You know, people just went back to the roots. They were collecting because they love collecting. And I think that's kind of what's happening now. You know, you're not seeing the money game as much. You're not seeing YouTube video after YouTube video. How much money can you make off this set? Or look how much this is, you know. People are... I'm still seeing those. I'm still seeing those videos well, <laughs> maybe maybe it's because I avoid them. Top ten <laughs> things to invest in twenty twenty two. Yeah, I try to. I hate that term. I try to stay away from all those guys. Maybe, maybe that's what it but, is. But uh, <laughs> you actually did say something that I want to touch up on because I'm actually included in this as well. Uh, so obviously, there's already a perfect storm of events that were occurring before Logic and Logan Paul, uh, the hype train came around um obviously people were people you know it's been well discussed people were at home they wanted they started digging through their their place or their closets finding their old cards and also this wave of nostalgia that occurred and you know what it gave us happiness allowed it allowed us to escape during a very trying time for not just our, our this country but the entire world and you need that healthy the healthy escape you know the healthy outlet to express yourself or really get away from the world at large. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of people when the hype did happen from the social media influencers that took the first things that they found and immediately submitted it to PSA. I was one of those people. I did that with evolutions. Mm -hmm. um, and thinking like you're seeing the the price and not quite taking a step outside of yourself and thinking, look, well, if I found it this easy, then so did everybody else. Yeah. And you're caught up in the moment. Yeah. Because, you know, I admit I was I was seeing some of these figures and I knew it was not going to be that when I got my cards back. I knew it was probably going to be around a year. Not quite 16 months for, for the first order, but, you know, it is it is what it is <laughs> yeah. at, at that point. Uh, but people just saw the money. It's like, I got to get my cards immediately because everybody was already hearing about the backlog that was already occurring at PSA and how they were becoming overwhelmed with the influx of submissions. Yeah, and they were just and, seeing how much those cards were. And it almost was false sense of hope because those cards were so much because there wasn't many available. Like people who had graded before the hype just kind of got lucky and had the stock when it was time to sell. And so people are like, oh my God, this card is worth this much. Let me send it to PSA. But here we are 16 months later and, you know, it's, well, it's not quite worth that much anymore. But it was hard to... Hard to judge just how big the problem was, and it's kind of easy to mm -hmm. talk about now, but, you know, nobody had any idea the level it got to. I mean, the first sign we had of it was when they just straight up 
said we're shutting down, you know. So it was it was pretty crazy. And I, th- I think it's almost like a social case study or, or like a, a study of how social media influencers can create this, not just a sense of FOMO, but there's, there's a very real groupthink mentality that occurs within, within this culture where you see an individual you follow pushing either an agenda or a product or whatever without necessarily thinking, you know, are they personally, do they have the best interest in this? Um, what, without necessarily thinking, why are they pushing this? Yeah. And you immediately get caught up in the moment. You immediately get caught up in the hype. And you just see it's like money, 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 money. And then you just think, buy, 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 buy. Mm-hmm. Without even thinking, why are you buying this? Maybe I should do more research into this set, into the history of the TCG to kind of understand where things are at. And is it a good idea to pay for a, I don't know, a PSA 9 first edition T17? Mm-hmm. That was one. That was one of those cards I was thinking about getting for for a while there. And Olivia, I'm glad I didn't. Um, they've come down about fifty percent. <laughs> or just uh, look at the Japanese CP6. You know, their equivalent mm-hmm. to Evolutions. Like, yeah, the people who were buying Evolutions, if they thought to look at CP6 and how great of a set that was, and how Japanese was kind of gaining steam, those boxes are still doing very well because. You know, they don't really reprint stuff over there in Japan as much as here. You know, once it's out, it's kind of out. But uh, maybe they're changing their mind now, but that's how the mentality has kind of always been. But overall, Evolutions was good for people, you know, who were truly in it for the right reasons. Granted, yeah, yeah people didn't make as much money as they probably hoped or still not making as much as they hoped, but you... You got to open and experience the hobby again, and that was the best way to do it, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the first things that had a trickle effect from... One of the first things that had a trickle effect from the social media influencers, you know. And there... It wasn't just collectors and people and Pokemon enthusiasts that were venturing into the, the hobby, as he discussed earlier. It was... It was stone cold capitalists who saw a chance to take advantage of the situation and the market without caring about the industry, the market, the card, the hobby, any of that. And those are the people that also ate it in the end. In yeah. Terms if like you know people that these pop up shops that were just scalpers with a storefront on eBay and wherever, some people probably saw saw the the writing on the wall but i know for a fact that everybody did i can't tell you how how much after celebrations dropped how many people were trying to clear out everything sealed and we're talking thousands of dollars worth of sealed product not just uh stuff like head of faith but it was stuff you wouldn't even think about buying again like um battle decks and uh yeah tens you know like like the small little tens that you get Two, two packs and like a coin or something like just anything that you could it's like not everything you can really scout from it and i yeah. think and then there are so many people that got caught up in the moment that were trying to do it on a small scale and again didn't know what they were doing and that that's the yeah that's the thing or the people that i feel the most 
like feel bad the most for it's like those people who you know got heard the hype and like they went and bought the battle deck because that's the only thing that was there and you know unfortunately a lot of those people were parents or kids you know buying stuff for their kids and that's the thing pokemon hates above all else you know that's who the product is for at first granted they they love being for everybody but that is who they want it available for that's why they went so crazy with celebrations to fix that problem you know they they don't mind the people at the top having a good time with their product but they want to get the lowest point of the totem pole first you know kids who can't go to stores on their own or get their packs from their parents they want parents to be able to find the packs just casually you know shopping that's what they want you know and so it really was a struggle for a while it's getting better now um i feel like with sets all the way up until brilliant stars i mean you could find product on the shelves pretty decently but brilliant stars seems to be a little struggle just because it's such a good set but it is still... Yeah, I disagree. I've actually been able to find oh, you have? products. For, yeah, almost any store I've walked into, I've been able to find some sort of brilliant stars. I'm not necessarily the ETVs, but the the packs. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't so... looked in the last week or so, but you know the set was still very new. Still is very new when I looked. But uh, yeah, it'll get better. And that's kind of what brought me into this... Uh, other part about the topic, you know, where do we go now? I mean, that's kind of where we're at now. There's still going to be some hype when the set first releases, but, you know, you just see so many packs opened up now. On YouTube, you'd find, like, a guy who uploaded, like, booster box opening for a set, and, like, that was the only video he had, you know, prior to 2020. And you'd watch that video and you're like, oh, okay, seems like a cool set. Now, two weeks before release, you can go on Twitch and watch a guy open thousand plus packs of the set before it's even out. And it just loses the magic to me. But, I mean, I watch those and I like watching those. But it loses the magic of me going to open packs myself. Granted, I'm kind of over opening product. You know, I'm kind of been around a while enough to just kind of wait and take the back seat but i mean just people nowadays you just see the cards opened up at such a crazy rate and even when people open up the packs they just throw away all the other cards and oh no hit next one opening a pack every five seconds so that's just kind of where we're at now i think that's going to be the norm for a little bit unfortunately the casual collecting is kind of making a comeback, but on the the media and like YouTube and Twitch level, that's just going to kind of be the big norm. You know, you got these big streamers, big YouTubers just cracking packs for content, and it's just going to get exponentially more and more because you got to keep things evolving and keep things interesting. So that's just how it's going to go, unfortunately. 
Well, I think some people are a fan of the pack openings because it allows them in many ways to live vicariously through the streamer. Or yeah, and that's why whatever. I like them. I can watch that thousand pack yeah. opening and pretty much see every pull rate and like, okay, I'm satisfied. I don't even need to buy the product now. <laughs> you know, or and, I'm like, yeah, I like that one card. I'll I'll buy that one card three months later. And sometimes, you know, they're the, the individual streamers response and the hype. It makes it feel like you're right there and you're like, oh, you, know, yeah. and you get caught up in the moment and you don't necessarily feel the need to buy um, as much product or maybe you can't buy a lot that set. You know, there are a lot of individuals that are still struggling and there are a lot of people within this hobby that can only spend so much per a month and what if you know they got a bad box or a bad etb or whatever booster box and they got crap pulls yeah yeah you know so it's just a, a new world and we'll have to let it play out and we'll see what happens next oh yeah i, I was i was gonna say i think one of the most interesting things that kind of uh, occurred from all this hype and and social media influence is the emergence of graded card preference overall um, I, I feel like this is something we could potentially do like a whole episode on, honestly. But I know during during the hype, especially a lot of people were trying to get for modern. We're trying to get these tens of, for example, like Hidden Fates full full art cards, mm-hmm. and they could have just as easily, you know, gone on eBay, looked at the card. And be like, okay, that has good ten potential, and buy it, and then wait. But again, you know, a bunch of new people into the hobby. One, they they don't have that that patience, and sometimes you're seeing all these dollar signs. That's doing the talking over your inner dialogue. That's consuming, you know, your your other side of your conscience. Like, oh, I'm gonna make all this money, you know? Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it, and send it in. Well, not so fast. Yeah, money, money talks. Yeah. (laughs) Now, will the Logan Paul social media influencers ever happen again? Um, I say not to the extent. I think you could see various cars getting effects of hype and homo buying. But for it to occur again, it would necessitate a pre Acquisite of, of of events, just like the one that that happened in 2020 to occur, mm-hmm. and I just think that perfect storm of events with all the variables in, in place. I just think it's very unlikely you'll will ever see that level of hype again. Like I said, I think you could see some for some cards and some in some various sets could see a quick surge. Like you know, if people it was slept on, and all of a sudden you see a quick surge, mm-hmm. and everybody tries to go in it at once. I think you could see that, but you'll never see the double or triple whatever the prices were. Sometimes I think it was like even more than that. It was four or five plus yeah, times. It was, I don't think it was ridiculous. That. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think we can get on that level again. Pretty much everyone has heard about it. My parents who are around sixty years old said they heard it on NPR news while they were driving to my house. About the Pokemon market and how all Pokemon cards have been going crazy. So I just don't know how much reach it has left. But I think it's a good thing, you know. I mean, this was 
this was like hype level as it was to, you know, back when it first came out. And it just validated how strong Pokemon is. So even though it was mainstream and Pokemon Go kind of brought it mainstream as well, like people who are not really connected in Pokemon came back into Pokemon to have another event four years later to bring that many people in. I mean, just says something. So I think it's going to be kind of along those lines where every so often we might have something that happens that gets people excited or a new thing in Pokemon. You know, maybe this Pokemon Go set is one of those things. Mm -hmm. It'll get the Go people who don't collect, you know, maybe interested. I don't know. But I think every so often we'll have kind of an event that like flares things up and it's just going to continue to be a a slow, steady growth in general. And it's going to be good for everybody, I think. Just got to collect for the right reasons. Market. Yeah. Yep, going to be a buyer's market in the next couple of years. Folks, should be. it's a great time to get in the hobby right now. Yep, perfect time to buy what you're wanting. That's for sure. Maybe not trophy cards because... <laughs> no, no. You know. But it's never a good time to buy those, I don't think. No. In my opinion. I think I think if you have the money to buy those, you're not too worried about if if a hype yeah <laughs> well uh i guess we'll move into uh we do have a quick q a um and then we'll have the game corner game corner game corner <laughs> well uh my q a kind of goes from how to grade now which companies are respectable for the time for the cost how do you grade faster and stuff like that um this one was actually from a IRL friend, Chris, I believe, who we were trying to squeeze him in in the first episode, but, you know, being strapped for time was a thing. But I just wanted to touch base on this real quick, because um, basically there's, along with all these people coming into a hobby and flipping, you know, people are trying to make money everywhere. We've seen an exponential growth of grading companies as well as you know well as people getting on with distributor you know across the board everything got inflated so with that we have so many grading companies competing um cgc was one of those new companies but they've kind of had a foot in the door with other forms of collectibles and media so that's basically my answer to who is respectable um as far as the new companies Pretty much just CGC, in my opinion. And, of course, you have PSA and Beckett, who were respectable before all this and still are. Overall, your best bet is just PSA. Um, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure you're agreeing with everything I'm saying. Because well, we, we talked not, about it. Yeah, I mean, so I did want to add a little bit to that. I do think overall, especially when it comes to vintage, I do believe you're better off with PSA, but I do believe there is a market for CGC, most notably for modern products. Mm -hmm. um, now, I know a lot of the nines for CGC have started to rival uh, PSA nines. So that value is getting closer to one versus one. Um, and that being said, I do think, say, if you had a first edition Charizard and you're like, where, where, where or a, a gold star or, or whatever, you're like, where do I send it? I think you should send it to PSA. 
Yeah. But say if you have a modern card and you believe it is damn near perfect, and even if it doesn't get that 10, but you think it has a chance, even that 9.5, I, th- I think that value is still there for the 9.5s for CGC. But you might have an easier time selling it with a PSA 10. But that just depends on the type of car. But I know more and more in the community are starting to even prefer CGC for, for modern. I'm not saying everybody, but I know there is a growing, growing market for CGC slabs. Yeah, and I, I agree. Like, I am personally buying stuff post-2016, like pretty much hype era is what I'm calling it. Um, I'm buying a lot of CGC 9.5s because 9 times out of 10 or even more, you know, they cross over to PSA 10s. So you're buying good quality. That's one good thing with CGC. Their grading scale is very harsh. Um mm-hmm. People, you know, in that, we don't see a lot of 10s. We see a lot of 9s and 9.5s. So that's, that in my opinion, is kind of a weird situation because you just see so many 9s and 9.5s and not a lot of 10s, which makes the 10 chase more, but it makes the 9.5 chase less because there's so many available. So it's kind of, kind of yin and yang what you're going for, but. A lot of modern cards where the quality is really good. I don't really grade much with CGC, but I like buying CGC 9.5s because generally they're cheaper than PSA and pretty much on par with PSA 9s in my experience. So, I mean, you're you're buying a quality card. I like their case. Um, and they are respectable. That's why they are being mentioned now. They're affordable, too. Yeah, they're affordable. affordable. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much modern going forward. I'm just looking for the quality card. And I think down the road, especially when CGC pop reports are more developed and released and all that and studied. Hopefully the, this month. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's soon. Hopefully this month. It's, uh, I think we'll see kind of on par, like an ideal world, a CGC 9.5 would be more than a PSA 9, but less than a PSA 10. But we're not quite there yet because people still are PSA only. And uh, VGS is kind of like the stepbrother who's like 30 years old. You know, it just comes <laughs> around every once in a while. When I think of BGS, I, have- I think of like Watsy cards only. And I think yeah. of like exceptionally quality grade like they grade real tough too but i i don't know i just for modern cards not a lot of people are using bgs and they just really don't have the the pop of psa but like cgc if you hit that very rare 10 or that very rare 9.5 in bgs you know you're gonna be making some money and the 9.5s in BGS are actually way more sought after than CGC 9.5s because not a lot of people use BGS and you don't see as many as you do on like the CGC side. So that kind of goes towards my comment of like you're just seeing so many 9.5 CGCs. Like that's kind of a perfect comparison right there. Not many people are wanting the Beckett 9.5, but that makes them more valuable because there's less of them. So I think honestly, I think one of the uh, issues with BGS has been their use their user friendly or lack of user friendly site. 
Yeah. And I think that's that was a major deterrent for a lot of people to send to PGS. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, CGC is, I mean, they almost walk you through it step by step. Yeah, CGC is really nice. PSA is really nice on their website too now. It's like all online. You don't really have to print off any forms. Um, the ones you do have to print off is real minimal. Like it's it's really streamlined now. But yeah, overall, those three are pretty much the only companies. The struggles that we just mentioned with CGC are even more so with these lesser grading companies. So that's that's why you know I'm only comfortable recommending those three. And I, like I said, I personally, I'll tell everyone right now, I don't use Beckett. I wouldn't mind having a Beckett card of like a a base Zard or a Japanese Zard, but. It's just not really my thing. I, d- I only have, I think, two slabs from BGS, and they're okay, but usually what I, what I look at is PSA or CGC. Now, we, we can go into, in the future, will this era be defined by CGC and would it be potentially be preferred over PSA, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that will ever happen, but I think CGC still has more to go or more ways to catch up. And I think they will. I think it'll be, you know, both companies will have their preference and me, like I made the cutoff 2016 or everything before the hype. I'm still sticking with PSA because I wasn't used to seeing CGC cards. It's weird for me. And CGC's case was weird for me at first, but now it's just becoming normal to see modern cards. So anything newer, I'm kind of leaning more towards CGC, unless it's like a a pretty big card. Then I try to stick with PSA. But like my casual modern collecting, like I think I'm gonna be CGC 9.5 or for most of that stuff. So that they, they yeah they have their place. Yeah, especially and. The, the market demands their their place in the market because of their strict grading. Um, there needs to be a, a difference between a clear difference uh, in their tens because with how many tens that have been handed out for certain popular sets already, for example, like I, I mentioned this again, I always use it as my callback, the Rainbow Charizard VMAX. You know, there's 8,000 PSA 10s of that card. Well, we don't quite know how much with CDC, but that is one I would like to see the, the difference of. And then you have a true difference of 10s. If you if you really need that level of trick grading, you know, not everybody needs that. For some people, the PSA 10 is more than sufficient. Yeah. It depends on also, like, your own... Your own so, like, grading is a very subjective opinion, even amongst graders, it seems like. So it's really what's your opinion of what is a 10 is it absolutely perfect or can it have like two or so things and have like centering be like six fifty eight forty two? Mm-hmm. you know so it's really a matter of opinion at that point and you know you're not wrong for choosing one one or the other they both have the place they both have their uses and i have both i have a bunch of cdc slabs i have a bunch of psa slabs and that is one thing when I buy CGC, I always want the subgrades. So that yep. that and is too. a point of why I lean CGC modern. If they didn't have subgrades, I don't think I would like them. Like I love the subgrades, especially modern. 
that's why I chose them because modern, the print quality is so good. You want to know exactly what the card has going on. And that's the best way to show it on CGC. Beckett has that as well. But, I mean, they're, they have different colors to their labels, which I'm pretty extreme OCD sometimes. I would not like having multiple label colors and all that business. But I don't like the perfect tens on CGC, how they have that gold number to them either. I'm kind of weird I with that stuff. But. Yeah, I think their design needs to need a little bit of a spice up for something like that. I feel like like the, the black label is a clear distinction and it is coveted by a lot of collectors. CGC doesn't quite have that. Yeah. You know, you have like the the gold the the gold shade of ten, but Which it's it, not enough. It looks you like know, a like a light yellow to me, you know. If it's that hard you should you should really um, be proud of those tens and I think they deserve and a distinction, not just for the tens, but the, 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 the perfect cards. We need like and, a holographic label, like with a gold edge to it or something. Or something. <laughs> I think that's what it, that's something the CHC needs to do and something the PSA needs to do is put uh, sub-tier grades on the back. Yeah. It would be weird for PSA to do that because one thing that is going for them is like their simple label and an overall nice, like... I don't know how they would implement that if it wasn't the back, but it'd still be weird either way. <laughs> I just think it would it, it would be I don't know if they will do it, but I would like to see it because there are sometimes I know that some people have issues with the consistency of their grading, but there have been some times where I received a nine and I would like to know why I received that nine. Yeah, for sure. You know, or even if so, PSA like sent like a blank card and just marked like, if their grading process was, like, marking, like, a blank slate card, like, if you had that included, that'd be awesome. Sometimes when you have grade, like, cards crossed over, attempt to cross over, they'll mark, like, on the paper, like, they'll circle a corner of, like, a blank card outline showing you, like, marking top right corner. Mm -hmm. So, it'd be cool just to know that stuff. But, well. Um, I have a question as well. Yeah, um, that we can add that kind of adds on to this. Um, will the this was actually this was a conversation that a friend in real life also brought brought up to me, and I thought it would be great as a question. It was, will the modern market crash for too much product? Yeah, uh. I said I say no um, personally. Now we're not, I'm not talking about necessarily concealed product that's a whole other thing uh but in terms of the product itself or like some of the chase cards some of the really desired cards from this ultra modern era i believe they are hard enough to pull that they'll maintain their value and they'll maintain interests there's enough folks that will maintain interest i, I mean you know modern even if you're a primarily a vintage collector, you, you, you'll like at least a little bit of modern. It's very rare to have people, you know, strictly Watsy. Um, usually people still collect it a little bit. And I think this, there's, you know, there is a growing percentage and niche in the market that is strictly interested in modern. Mm -hmm. And 
I believe with the pole race you have, like for example, like what what, what like the sleeping T tar was like one in seven hundred packs, one eight hundred packs, something like that. You know, I I spent I tried to chase that card. That was a little bit of FOMO. I think I it was like six boxes and I I didn't get it. I didn't realize how hard it was gonna be pulled. You know, mistake learned, obviously. Uh, but they're they're rare enough that I think they'll maintain their value. They might have ebb and flows um, mm-hmm. with interest that you you see with any set in any market, but they'll be enough yeah. to maintain its value. Even if they get another reprint, like for example, Evolving Skies, like that's like one in three hundred for the for the Rayquaza and Umbreon or something like that. And I think those cards are. I don't want to say iconic just yet, but they are definitely standalones from other cards of this era. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just to make it a short response, because I pretty much agree with you, and uh, <laughs> I'll pretty much have to wrap up here soon. Uh, I yeah, I agree. I don't think it will crash per se, but I mean, in some people's mind, it might be a crash because I basically see. NEV or VMAX or even Rainbow Rares, I mean, they will not be super valuable. Like the highest chase Rainbow Rare VMAX, I could see being like around $100. And I think that's kind of how most of them are now. But, uh, you know, and I think that's a good place because, like you said, you have all these alternate arts. That's the new chase. You know, before you had like, two or three secret rares that you would chase they wouldn't be as crazy to pull but you also didn't have all these rainbows you were chasing like the sets are just so congested of crap (laughs) you know (laughs) and uh if you're chasing an alt art opening packs i mean it's really hard to do so that alone makes modern in a really good spot you know i miss the days where you were excited about a hollow and then a full art you were ecstatic and then if you got like one of the three secret rares it was like major box so it's just a different world now but it is in a good spot with the alternate arts and if they keep that going it'll be in a good spot i just hope they don't overdo it which i'm afraid they're already pushing it I mean, to have 30 character rares and, like, a selection of, like, a special character rare pool. Granted, you can get double pools, but, you know, this is what we've seen in the past. We've went from three secret rares, like I just said, to now how many? <laughs> like, 30-plus in each set. So I think the art is good enough, and as long as they maintain the art to make it as interesting as they are, I think there will be continual interest. It might, like I said, have heaven flows with it, but the art on these cards are amazing on the on the majority of these cards. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it is it is a new thing, so it's hard to say in two years what the what the hobby's mentality will be towards something like that. But I just know good art will maintain a card's place within the, the, the hobby longer than just something that goes with the rest of uh, what the hobby's doing. Like in this case, like, you know, the art on, on a card, I- iconic art compared to just generic rainbow cards. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think as long as it's good art, there will be an interest as long as there's interest within Pokemon. I think personally anyways. 
Yeah, it'll it'll be there for sure. I just hate how they like, oh, you like this? Here's 30 of them. <laughs> like, it's like, it's kind of, oh my God. So, yeah, before they would stretch that crap out, like EX era, even the new EX era, we were in the EX era for a long time. And now every third set, it's like a new thing. Like now we're having sparkling shinies and amazing rares only lasted like two sets and which I think they should do more of, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a Jirachi 9.5 Amazing Rare here soon because for yeah. one, that's the only art I like. I think they kind of look weird, but for some reason, the Jirachi is really cool. And yeah, they're gonna be kind of forgotten. They're like the legend pieces of Heart Gold Soul Silver. Like they're cool cards, but they were only around for like two sets. Yeah, but there's a lot of them. Yeah. So it's hard, and a lot there's a lot of them graded. So yeah, but that, they're super cheap. Yep. Well, we better get on to the game corner if you're ready. Yeah, uh, let's go. Let's so, go. There won't be any actual gambling in here, like within <laughs> the game. Yeah. So this is this is the game corner. This is our game section of the hobby. Sometimes we'll have a little game. Sometimes we'll have I don't know, maybe trivia or something. Just a little fun thing at the end of our podcast. So, yeah, I'll go ahead and go first. It's take it or leave it. Uh, essentially, it is a question designed where you either take it, or, i.e. you accept it as it potentially happening, or you leave it, meaning you're basically saying you don't believe this is going to happen. And my high first question, this might be a hot take. This might trigger some folks. Long term, the Logan Paul logic hype was actually really great for the hobby. I'm triggered. <laughs> Take it or leave it. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to, so like take it. I mean, if we think it's going to happen, right? Or is that leaving it, leaving it how it is? So I would say I'll take it. Long term, i.e. more than just the immediate three months from the hype, it was good for the hobby. And my reasoning is it brought it was a reintroduction and a rediscovering of new collectors and Pokemon enthusiasts within the Pokemon TCG. Yeah, I'm we gonna... do not know how. So we don't know how many people that this this actually brought in, but there's it's clear there's a lot of people that are still in here from that surge. Yeah, I'm, people that I'm definitely gonna take it as well for those same reasons. Just the reach, whether you see him as good or bad, you can't deny the reach it had and the people it brought in. And even if it brought in a lot of people for the wrong reasons, like 15K Boy, we uh, <laughs> got a lot of people who stayed and are really enjoying it for the right reasons now. So, yeah, I, I, it was good overall. Uh, so this one, I kind of came up with this. I don't necessarily agree or disagree with some aspects of mine, but it's going to kind of be a hot take as well. Okay. Modern is not as collectible as stuff from 2018 and before. So pre-2018 is more collectible than modern. I'm going to leave that. Um, I know that's quite a lot of eras that you encompass. That's literally 20 plus years of Pokemon cards. Um, now, will is it going to be as collectible as say last era i i don't necessarily think so but time can change that uh but this area will be collectible 
this era will have a boost of nostalgia because this will be the 2020 will be nostalgic. I know that, you know, that year might trigger some people with everything, but that eventually 2020, 21 will be nostalgic for a lot of people. And I think, and there's a lot of good art on a lot of these cards that will have long-term success. But is it as collectible? Yes. Because if you look at say black, white XY era, um, I know there are there are certain cards from that from that, from that set from from those sets that are collectible, uh, like the full art secret rares, like the the Gyarados with the Griffin Ninja, and even the EX era cards. But there's not as many people that were in the hobby during that time frame. There are more people now in the hobby collecting than there were back then, and obviously there's people that are going to love that era. From you know, like 2014, 2016, but there's enough people to create a driving force of I don't want to say groupthink mentality because that's that's not quite what it is. But there's enough people that maintain interest in the current art and the current TCG that I think long term this era will be highly collectible. Maybe not binder sets like you see from pre 2018. Yeah, but the creme de la creme. The alt arts, the character rares, I do believe long term they will hold as very collectible. I'm not saying valuable necessarily, but yeah. collectible. Yeah, and I, I kind of just mentioned this as like a talking point because I'm kind of on both ends. Of course, like the most collectible stuff is going to be, in my opinion, you know, those Japanese promos and stuff like that. Stuff that is a little more niche in that. And that's honestly kind of one of the downsides is that you might argue that it's not as more widely known or as collectible because it's not so out there, you know, kind of determines or it's determined by what your opinion on the definition of collectible, you know, is it because something is worth more? Is it because there's more available to collect um, so as far as like value, I think older stuff, but as far as like general enjoyment and accessibility, I would say modern as well, you know, just with the alternate arts as brutal as they can be pulling. I mean, you have just really good products. It is harder to collect a binder set, which is like a really big downside for me because I love binders. And very expensive for these yeah. modern sets too. So, I mean, you almost have to collect in a different way unless you're just going all out, which, you know, you can't just buy complete sets of the newest set for mm-hmm. cheap. You know, I remember back in, uh, before Pokemon Go hype in the black and white era and leading up to the X and Y, you could buy a complete non-hollow and hollow rare complete set for maybe 50, 60 bucks. And then all you'd have to do is buy the secret rares, which there was only six of them or less. And the most expensive one was maybe 50, 60 bucks. And the other ones were 40 or less. So, I mean, that was still expensive back in the day, but nothing like it is today. And I remember when next destinies came out, I was collecting binder sets of every set that came out when that came out. 
and Next Destinies came out, it was big news. It was the return of the EX cards and the Mewtwo EX in that set was just ridiculous. And there was a full art version as well. The The main version was like 100 bucks, and the full art version was like 140 bucks, And that was like the turning point for me being a collector during that time of like, th- that was the shift of modern where it became today. Because after that, you know, there were six EX cards and each one had a full art version. So that was 12 cards right there as secret rares. And then there was like three actual secret rares that were like shinings. And uh, so that's really where the ball started. That's where the snow fell for the snowball, basically. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, I know with the evolving sky, just an example, I know we, we don't quite know if there's going to be a reprint or restock or whatever. Everybody assumes so, but the cards are just like the, the secret rare all starts are a few hundred dollars. And then you get into the other, and that's just Umbreon and Rayquaza. And then you have other all starts like Glaceon, Leafeon, and then you have the Umbreon V and you have the Dragonite V. You know, th- those are all 75 plus dollars. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just have and a lot. It, yeah. In addition to being like, what is it, like a 250 card set or something like that? 270? Yeah, and back then the sets were barely a hundred. Hundred and fifty was a big set. You know, Brilliant Star seems to potentially to be a minor shakeup with that because it is a smaller set. Um, I know a lot of people have said the pull rates are a little better. I haven't opened enough packs to really differentiate. I know I got lucky um, with my high pulls, but I don't know everybody's the case. I know I had a friend that opened it up, and the, the first box was a dud, but the second box he got two alt arts, so it more than made up. For the first box mm-hmm. so it, it sounds like because it's a smaller set you can potentially pull some of the chase cards and it makes it more feasible which i you know there's got to be like a middle ground because of the costs of trying to collect sets because like it is a feasible like not everybody can just drop you know two three thousand dollars on modern product product to pay for the whole entire set i mean for that same amount i mean you can probably find you know a, a moderately or heavy played first edition set yeah you know yeah, it's so just, you gotta really really know what you're wanting to go for because there's like so many options now and in general yeah it's a buyer's market and if you're not wanting to experience the set you know the first week it comes out i mean it's really worth it just kind of take a step back and buy it later but if that's your thing you want to enjoy it when it comes out go for it because that's yeah. what the hobby's about just having fun doing you so, well, that's a pretty good episode. We had a packed full of stuff. We might be running two hours on this one, but overall pretty hey, good. Yeah, I, I think uh, top to bottom it was very well done. Yeah. So what about our uh, next topic? I guess we'll just mention our next topic, and then that'll be it. Um, I know you had some ideas. I was kind of indifferent. Um, so what were we thinking for our next episode? So for the next episode, I was thinking um, the effect of the PSA backlog on the market and how the emergence of other grading companies has taken effect and taken a place within this within this hobby. I know we kind of discussed a little bit, but I would like to go into f- further detail because I believe this the PSA backlog specifically 
really, really touches a lot of the uh, collectors. And I think uh, it'd be something that it makes sense with the current structure that we're doing with our episodes that this would be the next step. Yeah. And we'll add something else in there to kind of spice it up. Cause yeah, we did touch yeah. on that a little bit this one, but we'll kind of go over a lot more stuff and even more depth. We'll get down to the bottom of it. So, yeah. And we have, uh, we have quite a few episodes potentially hacked up. So hopefully people keep on coming back. We have like six months worth of ideas without any news, <laughs> without any news coming up. So, yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, hope you enjoyed that one. This was episode two, and we'll see you in episode three. See you later. Yeah. Peace. <laughs>